Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Lionshare Bookkeeping believes the key to generating wealth is understanding where it comes from and where it needs to go. They provide bookkeeping and financial coaching exclusively to real estate investors, focusing on cash flow, strategy, and action. Go to lionsharebookkeeping.com forward slash apartments to connect with them now. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Daniel Farber. Thanks for being on the show, Daniel. Thank you very much for having me. Great to be here today. Yeah, honored to have you on the show. Daniel is CEO of HLC Equity, where he is responsible for leading the executive management teams on strategy and execution of growth for HLC's equity investment portfolio and leading the group's operating uh, businesses and brands. HLC Equity is a multi-generational real estate investment firm that has acquired, managed, developed, and repositioned real estate in over 25 states throughout the U.S., having owned and managed over 7 million gross square feet of commercial, residential, and development land. Daniel, welcome to the show. It's always a pleasure to have someone who's very experienced in this space, you know, on the show and, and hear your, just your outlook too, you know, in the market right now, different things I know we're going to talk about, but especially just multi-generational in, investing. I'm looking forward to talking about that, but why don't you give the listeners a little more about that, about your multi-generational, you know, business and let's dive in a little bit. Sure, 100% with pleasure. So, you know, HLC Equity, as you mentioned, it's a multi generational real estate investment company. We used to, you know, it's been around for over 70 years. So, obviously, there's been several different iterations, different asset classes, starting with uh, land development deals in places like the outskirts of Scottsdale, Arizona, eventually going into, you know, this is uh, previous generations going into neighborhood shopping centers and over the last kind of like 20 years, there was a heavy focus on some neighborhood shopping centers, but a lot of retail kind of like net lease assets. Um, for those who don't know, you know what that means. It's primarily the idea being that we have a credit worthy tenant who gets us on a, you know, we, we get them on a long-term lease. They pay, it's great cash flow, it's steady. But as the retail market started shifting and seeing all kinds of different dynamics in the market, we really kind of transition our portfolio away from actively purchasing new retail properties for the most part and towards multifamily and really building out our multifamily both on an operational and an ownership standpoint. So that's really kind of what brought us to today. We started looking at specific markets. So while we do maintain our, re- our kind of a legacy portfolio in retail, our main focus right now is acquiring multifamily deals and locations like Dallas, Denver, you know, there's some actual some new markets that we're looking at just given dynamics that are in the market right now. Pittsburgh, we used to do a lot of deals in Brooklyn, but that became, you know, a challenging market to work in. So we're really kind of like in different locations and just very excited about the multifamily market in general. No, that's great. And I was going to ask you, obviously, what's changed or shifted over time? It's neat, you know, when somebody's business has, has been around that long, been investing that long. You know, is there anything else that you would share with the listener that they need to know, right? Like over this period of time, we've learned these things and like, this is a big thing and this is how we've shifted or because of this. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because my grandfather, who really was a driving force in our company, he, yeah, I remember him telling me a long time ago, real estate is a 10% business. 
you know? So it's like, we want 10% on whatever we're doing and that makes sense in the business. But that was going back when that, you know, interest rates were in a totally different place. The market was in a totally different place. The market wasn't nearly as kind of like flooded, you know, so many people having deal flow and access and so forth. So a lot of dynamics have changed, you know, and, and we can go back and forth of, you know, whether it's for the better or the worse, but there's just been some fundamental shifts in the market. So from the retail side, that's obviously changed in a big way, but it's changing daily, right? So if you just take it on a year by year, so in 2016, we were buying in Denver. So you'll appreciate this given your activity in Colorado, we were buying a multifamily deal for a six cap. And people thought you're crazy, a six cap like for a multifamily. And that's in 2016, right? And so now, and it was in a great location and there was a lot of reasons why we did it. And thankfully we actually exited that deal and we did really well for ourselves and our investors. But the point is, is like, you know, who knows? I mean, we, our overall outlook is that, you know, we don't know what the future is going to hold. We protect our downside and just hopefully we buy well over the long term. So we're not into looking at these kind of two to three year deals that we have had two to three year deals pan out really well. But we just know that that's a function of kind of the market and where things have you know come out. And, and over the last 10 years, the market is just all in all done really great. So people have done really well, not because anybody's smarter than the other, but just because they, you know, just kind of held on. But the way we look at it is right now we're going into deals and we are purchasing assets. And what we think is a conservative price to go in over the long term, because you have to have a long term outlook right now, just given where interest rates are in the in the economy. No, that's incredible. You knew I was going to ask about your outlook, right? And you already told us you don't you don't know, right? <laughs> No, it's good. It's really good. You know, but you mentioned protecting for the downside, right? And we talk about that a lot on the show. I always ask, you know, how do you prepare for a downturn? And I love hearing what different operators, especially as experienced as you are, how you answer that question. I get asked that from investors often, right? But how do you all prepare for a downturn or protect against that downside? Right. A major factor is the idea that debt can be as addictive as drugs, right? So to the extent that in a market where you can just get, you know, money and it seems free, so it's very challenging to make sure that you properly capitalize your deals in a way that, you know, when the market does go down, which eventually it always goes down, that you're well protected and that you're in an asset class, you know, like multifamily that is relatively resilient. I don't like it when everybody says, you know, it's the best asset class and that somebody always needs to live somewhere because while it's true, you know, I just kind of cringe at that because I'm always thinking, okay, like something like if it's not a pandemic, it can be something else that's going to come at you from somewhere. So never be so confident in what you're investing in. But at the same time, you just got to prepare and we can just do it the best as we can. So I think the ways you do that is capitalizing your deals well, buying them well, and then having a long-term outlook. Not saying, oh, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to flip it in a year because I know exactly where the market is going to be because nobody does, right? It could happen and it has happened to lots of us. But it doesn't mean that it's the, what the future is going to hold. Could you shed any light on the like capitalizing well? Is there a way that you think about that when you're you know acquiring a new project? Sure. Obviously, right now there's a lot of bridge debt being used, and that's how one way that people are bridge debt, meaning like a variable rate that's bridging between you know what you buy it at and what you can eventually put fixed debt on. I think that you know while we do look at potentially doing that in some scenarios where we feel like we have enough room. I think that you're just adding on risk and I think you just need to, you know, kind of recognize that risk. So we, in most scenarios, are not interested in doing a lot of bridge rate debt. We're interested more in kind of like fixing in long-term cheap financing right now. So you know that at least your debt 
is at a healthy place. And then there's all the other tests around it, right? Like your debt service coverage ratio, what your exact leverage point is, and then how much occupancy, you know, if there is, you know, your doomsday scenario, which we plan for, you know, how much, you know, vacancy can you actually afford in, at your property? Some great things to think through. And I wanted to, I know you have this thing called like layers, right? Layers program. I wanted us to have a few minutes to talk about that and what you all have created there. I think that would be helpful for some of the listeners so what is that? Yeah. So as we started buying these properties, these kind of you know garden style, 100 to 300 unit properties, multifamily properties in Dallas, we started managing the properties. And I come from a little bit of a t- technology, strategic consulting and technology background. And so we were always kind of you know, thinking, what can we do better? And there's so much tech in the world. And how can we implement something and operate it better and get higher returns, increase our revenue. And also the idea that community is so important today in this day of isolation. And I'm talking pre-pandemic, right? It was important back then. So all the more so now. So what can we do to enhance these communities? Because it's really interesting when you buy these communities, you actually are buying the community. And then your only job is how do you make the community better? Whereas everybody else is trying to say, I want to build a community, but here you actually have a community. So we started, you know, working on a model. And I, you know, brought on and was lucky enough to team up with some of the best people in kind of corporate housing, community development, and hospitality. And we really created a hybrid approach to how we operate our properties, where we're able to offer service departments and conventional apartments. And with that, though, we also have tech tools and community that really brings it under one cohesive system. And we have a loyalty program. So people who come in, it's called Layers Unlimited. And so basically we have a whole loyalty program around that. So we launched the Layers brand and the Layers operating model. And interestingly, on the service department side, when we were first analyzing and I brought in some people from the corporate housing world and they told me, you know, these are the premiums you could get if we ran our service department program in your kind of class B garden style apartments. And when they told me the premiums, which are between back then, it was 150 to 180 percent premium on rent. Now we're getting even more than that. But I didn't believe them. I was like, you guys are nuts. There's no way. And they were like, let me prove you wrong. And I, you know, luckily I let them and they proved me wrong. And so now we're, you know, getting these premiums on our service department side. But the idea is, as a consumer, because our brand layers is very consumer centric, is able to come into one of our properties and they're able to say, you know, I want either a service department or I just want a conventional apartment. From an investment standpoint, it's great because we are able to get the premiums on the service departments. And then we also have our, you know, that's only a small portion relative to the entire property. So call it you know, 20%. And we're not doing also, it's important to point out, we're not talking about short term stays, like some of the other platforms, we're talking about focused on longer term. I mean, we have, you know, people who have stayed with us for years, we actually have a year now, because we launched in the midst of the pandemic last year, and we've been able to grow the service department offering, because we're really competing with extended stay hotels. And during the pandemic, people have preferred to stay with us because we offer a better price. And during a pandemic, we also offer a nicer environment. I mean, all around, but definitely, you know, when people are worried about cleanliness and not, you know, being in a hotel. Interesting. Is there a specific property or something where you could elaborate on just an example of how you've used that? Yeah, sure. So the original one that we've launched on, we basically designated, it's 190 units. We've designated call it 10 units. And we said, we're going to turn these into our service department units. And, you know, we took those and we were able within a matter of around five months to get full occupancy on that with the service departments. This is in Dallas. And so we, we took that data and we're implementing it on other properties. And now our investment thesis is we go into deals 
And we go into deals that make sense on a regular multifamily basis. But when we're able to, in a pun intended, layer on layers, it just increases our you know, returns that much more. And so from an investment standpoint, it makes it that much more interesting. And then I should just point out, so you know, we benefit as investors, investors who invest with us benefit. And then we also have, a since we've witnessed the success with this program, we launched a product called Layers Light, and we're now serving other landlords so they can just plug and play layers into their building in order to benefit from you know what we've built, which is you know it's a lot more. It sounds very much like oh, I'll just go in, I'll buy some you know furniture on Craigslist or whatever. It's much more than that. We've created a whole streamlined system. We've created the marketing funnel to bring the business to the service departments. We've created a whole operational excellence around it. And then we have the benefit of the Layers brand and the technology where we have a community app and we have Layers Unlimited and so forth. So it's really a system that we've built. That's incredible. I don't know. It's interesting. I just want to go ahead and ask you, how do, how do I learn more about this layers program in case an operator is listening that wants to think about utilizing that? A hundred percent. So, you know, the easiest for, in terms of layers light, if there's an operator out there that's interested, they can reach out to Lucas runs our layers brand. You can email Lucas at layerslife.com. And then another way is simply to go on to the HLC equity Dot com website, which is our parent investment company. If you, you know, enter the contact form or, you know, you can reach out to the, the contact information there, we can direct it to the right address. Awesome. Well, you know, a couple of questions specifically about the current market situation and whatnot. I mean, you know, as far as the pandemic, I get asked often, you know, well, how's the pandemic affected your properties and those things, you know, from investors nearly every day. You know, what does that look like for you? And was there anything that you all had done, say, before the pandemic that did help you to be prepared for something like that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you know, like I think that a lot of going back to when we initial conversation of like, what can we do better? A lot of those conversations and our utilization of technology up front helped us through the pandemic. So we had already had like a community app, right? We already had the general tools to do virtual tours, even though we weren't, you know, that wasn't our process. But it took us about, you know, a couple of days to shift over and to pivot to say now all, we offer virtual tours, whoever wants, you know, like come on board. Whereas like a lot of other groups that weren't kind of like paying attention to the technology trends may have taken them a little bit longer. So I think that those things helped us prepare. So, you know, like we were used to doing community events at our properties is a big thing. Obviously, all of a sudden we weren't able to. We had all these events planned. So then it was like, OK, well, what do we do? And we were able to use our digital tools and our app and so forth to at least have some sort of engagement. And then the other thing is that it's really been great throughout the pandemic because we have a personal connection now with all of our customers, all of our residents on our properties. But then we also are able to get live feedback because, you know, a lot of people, they tell you what they think, right? You think Google reviews are bad. Wait until it's behind closed doors, right? So, so we're able to get good feedback and, you know, you have to be, you know, picky in terms of, you know, what you pay attention to because everybody has an opinion it's great to get live feedback. And there were like small things that we saw that were just great throughout the beginning of the pandemic, especially when everybody was scared, right? There was a period when nobody, I mean, we still don't know what the world's going to look like, but you know, how many people are going to be out of work and so forth. And we saw people start writing in, you know, if anybody needs help, we're here, I'm employed so I can help you and all kinds of like great community building stuff that you just wouldn't see if you didn't kind of have those tech tools in place already. Wow. No, that's incredible. You know, I guess changing gears a little bit too. It just, I was just thinking through too, like, you know, multi-generational, you all been in business a long time. What's the next big change for you all? Anything else that you see coming up that's like, you know what, we're in the process of pivoting again because of what we've learned over the last 70 years. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, we have those, it's a hard balance, right? Because you see things in the market, but you want to push forward what you're working on and you don't want to get to, you know, go all over the place. So every day I come up with things that I tell my operations team, like, hey, we should do this, we should do that. And they're like, that's a great idea. Keep on dreaming because right now we're like focused on executing that what we need to do, right? But, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of different new niche opportunities that come out of this new reality that we're in. I mean, obviously, and we actually just put out, we have a, a newsletter, which is called HLC Equity Insights, and everybody's welcome to join that. And through that, we put out some insights that we see live in the market. So a big thing that's happening right now is hotel, the multifamily conversions, right? Which makes sense, right? People say, hey, that mul- hotels are you know, that having a hard time, let's just switch them over to multifamily. It's a lot more complicated than that. We've looked at a lot of the deals. We put out, you know, what what are some areas for anybody that is thinking about investing in that field, which is potentially lucrative, but there's a lot of challenges that, you know, people don't point out right away. So we put out a list of things that investors should be weary of when they're investing in that type of thing. But I do think that that's something that, you know, at least people are going to be pushing for. They're going to see a lot of distress in the hotel sector. You know, there's a lot of different funds that are being created to either, you know, buy, try and buy hotels cheaper or else put debt to lend to these hotel owners. I think that's, you know, it's an interesting trend. You know, that's just one area. I think there's going to be a lot more, right? So like you have industrial, you have the e-commerce boom, but a lot of times, you know, you have to ask if, I mean, obviously there's this dramatic shift to e-commerce, but is it as robust as it's been the last year or is it just like, you know, is it going to kind of plateau over the next several years? So those are the types of questions we're asking, you know, with that sector. And I could go on sector by sector because I think that there's going to be shifts in every sector. Definitely. Do you see your all's focus staying in multifamily like long term now? Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't have like a mandate that we can't do other stuff. So, you know, we actually we bought a property that in the midst of the, you know, April May, when, you know, there was a lot of fear in the market, we bought a retail property because it could potentially have been repositioned and even be repositioned in the future to a developed multifamily development site, or it could stay a retail thing. So we're flexible in that kind of like we understand the different asset classes and we understand the value that's there. So, you know, we're not stuck on just doing multifamily, but definitely our main focus right now, just because we have all of this infrastructure that we've invested in, you know, in our investment platform and also the layers brand, we're definitely have a whole side of our business that is focused in in multifamily. Now, where is a different story, right? Where we have been focused in places like Dallas and Denver, which are getting very expensive. You know, we still like those markets a lot. We think that there's a big story to be told for, you know, the migration to these markets. We have some niche type of markets that we're looking at right now. And and actually, you know, some that we're potentially going to do a deal in that are kind of outside of the box. No, that's awesome. It's just neat to hear your all's outlook as well and what you think about multifamily, all those things. Pivoting just a little bit, any daily habits that you have that you're disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? I mean, the ones that come to mind definitely have to be, you know, because of my tradition, I'm Jewish and traditional type of thing that I do is in the morning, I pray every morning. And, you know, I definitely think that that helps balance, especially, you know, thankfully, you know, I'm blessed with children. And so having you know, wild, loud house. And then having just a moment to reflect is really important, you know, before the work and the life day begins, that's really important. And the other thing is definitely, you know, exercise, which is is key for sure. I can definitely relate to that. Getting up before everyone else's day gets started, right? Get yours started. No doubt about that. What about your all's best source for meeting new investors right now? Sure. So we actually, you know, and it's interesting, we didn't go over kind of like the capitalization of the company, but traditionally for a very long time, it was this traditional kind of like 
private family business. And, you know, we might've done a partnership deal with another group that we were friends with or something like that. And over the last several years, as we shifted into multifamily, started doing larger deals, we also said, hey, let's take our track record. Let's take our ability to invest into takeout deals and also our great management team. And let's basically create an investment sponsorship platform where we'll invest as a company and then we'll bring in other investors as well. And so that's really what we've been doing ever since. And so we have an investor base. It's very important for us to have a a broad investor base. We have everything from high net worth individuals, you know, lawyers, doctors. We have wealth management groups that we that invest with us. And then we also have private equity groups that we invest with as well. So in terms of getting to know them, I mean, obviously, the institutional investors that invest with us, it's a little bit different, you know, of a relationship building process and the high net worth individuals. So we recently launched HLC Direct, which is our direct investment platform where accredited investors can come right onto our platform. They can sign up and they can see our deal flow as it becomes available. And that's been great, you know, just in terms of like somebody comes in and we have a conversation and we've been able to really foster good relationships that way. Nice. No, that's incredible. What about the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I say it a lot and I know a lot of people say it, but like just the people that, you know, that first of all, the people like throughout my life, when I think about the people who really cared, so not necessarily, I'm not saying like, oh, the most successful people or anything like that, but the people that like actually really cared, you know, first of all, I think that it's super important to always recognize that they got you to where you are. And then, you know, just trying to surround yourself with the best people, both in terms of ethics and in terms of, you know, striving in life. For me, that's been huge. Like my team, I think is just an extremely impressive team. And so, you know, if there's one thing that I've done right, it's been able to get those people together and into like one room, so to speak. And that's it. But, but I think that that's been like key is just bringing in the right people. And how do you like to give back? Well, you know, on a charitable social action side, something that's very important to us is, you know, poverty and just dealing with the horrific poverty issues that are taking place today. So as a family on the side, like me personally and my family were involved in a couple organizations behind the scenes that actually play into real estate. So interestingly, you know, it's important for us to be involved in something where we feel we can add, add value, but it has to do with housing, providing housing for people who are less fortunate and who are, you know, who are going through a hard time. Nice. Well, grateful for you sharing that and giving back in that way. I also wanted to ask you, you just said about bringing in good people. And I wanted to go back to that just for a second. And while we have just another minute and any tips on bringing in good people, I've just did a series of shows on like hiring class A talent and things like that and how we've tried to do that. But I'd I'd love any tips that you have and bringing in, you know, team members that are class A talent. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, you know, I think first of all, there's a book that I recommend. It's called Scaling Up. A lot of people have heard of it. It's a great book. And in there, there's, you know, one of the fundamentals. Oh, you have it right there. There you go. Yeah, I do have it. I do have it. Right, right. So, I mean, it's a great book. And it's also, you know, they've created the Scaling Up Network, which is a great network of people. Yeah, the Vern. You got it there? Yeah, it's a, yeah, my business partner and I have gone through that. It's good. Great. Yeah. I mean, so for me, like they have a whole section in there on people because they, you know, they're one of their theses is is that people is like one of the four fundamentals of creating a thriving business. Right. So I think that there are great tips in there. Great pointers from a personal standpoint. I think it's just being genuine. I think it's okay to be vulnerable. And I just always, whenever I am interviewing a potential teammate, I always think whatever the position is, I always try and think, is this person better than me 
if I were to do that position, that automatically I, I, I'm attracted to if somebody is you know doing something better or has more skills than me, then I'm attracted to it. And then it's like, okay, well now it's just, I got to get them on board. I got to, you know, whether it's selling them in a genuine way. And then, you know, if you have a vision and you create a vision, so like our layers team is great and dedicated because, you know, we have a vision of what layers can become and same with the HLC equity team in terms of, you know, building out a larger portfolio to benefit investors and so forth. So I think it's really important to have that vision, be genuine about the vision. And then it kind of, you got to let it flow down to everybody that you're around. No, that's wise words. Well, Daniel, it's been a pleasure to meet you and uh, I look forward to getting to know you even better and just your willingness to share, you know, multi-generational experience, you know, from your all's business and how you protect against the downside, the layers program, even how you all utilize tech, you know, and how that helped prepare you for even the pandemic, but and also bringing in good people as well and how you've done that. So how can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Definitely. So with pleasure. So first of all, I'm on LinkedIn, Daniel N. Farber, you know, and then you can just, you know, search Daniel Farber HLC Equity or on our website. Again, if you go to hlcequity.com and you fill in the, the contact form, it will get forwarded to the right person, whether you're interested in investing. If you are interested in investing, you can go to the HLC Direct page there and there's a, you know, there's a direct form to sign up. But anybody else can can reach out. It'll get directed, whether it's to layers, for investment, whatever it is, or just generally to talk or, you know, if there's any way we can help, we're always happy to try to, to help as well. So look forward to connecting. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital. Making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.